peace of Christ be with you. It's wonderful to see you here because I know it's a little muffled speaking through this and some of you rely on reading lips. There are a few copies of the sermon on the stool, a rough draft, mind you, of the sermon. As we gather here, let us slow down and take about three deep breaths that we might open ourselves to the presence of the Holy Spirit who is with us right here and right now. Friends, let us worship the living God. Please rise and body your spirit for the call to worship. Call us home, O God, into your presence. Teach us good judgment, wisdom, and courage. Secure us in your love that we might be free. Grant us the ability to trust in what's right. You may be seated. Welcome. Welcome to worship here at Westminster. It is good to be here with you all. If you're visiting with us, if you're new to this congregation, a special welcome to you. I do invite you all after worship out into our patio area so we can have a time to visit with each other, to get to know each other just a little bit better. A couple of things for you to know. We had a beautiful piano organ duet planned for you for the anthem today, and our pianist woke up today not feeling well. So we still have a beautiful piece of music. The swan is going to swim solo today, and I just want to thank Patty for being so flexible. <laughs> and she is still going to play for us, and we just hold Mary in our prayers that she may feel better soon. Finally, uh, it is important to us to, to know who has been with us. So during the offering time, if you're sitting here in the middle, um, if you would pull out that pew pad and sign it, pass it down the aisle, pass it back. That's a great way for you to see the names of people who are sitting near you. It's a great way for us, especially if you're visiting with us, to be able to be in touch with you later on. So again, welcome. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. God of promise and truth, we are faced daily with temptations to try to get ahead, deceive for the sake of advantage, 
share what people want to hear rather than acknowledging what is so. Forgive us for when we have taken the easy way, denying the damage we may be doing in the process and thinking primarily of our own advancement rather than the well-being of our neighbor. Strengthen us as a community we might support one another in living with integrity. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, know that God is always seeking us, gathering us into God's beloved community. So let us rejoice in God's mercy, God's forgiveness, and God's love. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now is a time that we like to share with each other our joys and our concerns so that we can be in prayer with one another. We can be in prayer for our community and our world. So if you have something to share with us, raise your hand and let us know. Yes, Sandy. Prayers for a, a husband of a friend whose health is declining rapidly. Yeah, Other, yeah Jenny. And Jenny is offering her, her thanks to all of you for the ways that you reached out and supported her following the death of her dad. Others? Yeah, Gwen. Yeah, prayers for friend Alan, who was in a head-on collision last Sunday as he heals. Yeah, Roger. Friend recently diagnosed with abdominal cancer. Prayers for him. Yeah, Chris. Chris offers prayers for our medical system across the country, across the world. Systems really stretched to their limits for a variety of reasons. So prayers for all working in that medical system. Absolutely. Others? Yeah, Judy. So Judy, I'm going to actually turn that into a prayer of joy for you. Uh, as I hope you all know by now, we're doing a congregational survey as we make plans for this coming year. And Judy has helped us so much in putting that together and getting it out. And what she was just doing was encouraging all of you to fill it out. So our time together as a congregation can continue to be a joy as we move into the future. Anyone else? Yeah, Jeff. Oh my, so prayers for friend Ed's family um, who had just recently retired um, and then recently died following that retirement. So prayers for you and for Ed's family. All right. Let's hold all of these prayers for in a few moments of quiet and then I'll lead us in the Lord's prayer. So let us pray. 
Gracious God, you hear our prayers, and we give you thanks. And God, on this Labor Day weekend, we do pray for the laborers of the world, those who labor in jobs filled with meaning and those who are searching for meaning, those who labor in jobs that pay a living wage and those who labor in jobs that do not. We pray for those who labor not for money, but out of love and service. Help us, O oh God, as we seek a balance of work and play. And we thank you for giving us this Sabbath day of rest, when we can pause and offer praise to you whose work we are and whose work we do. We also give you thanks, O oh God, for your Son, Jesus Christ, whose labor in this world brought compassion, mercy, and justice. And hear us as together we pray the prayer that he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day.
muted. You pranked me. Pranked me, put me on mute. Well, that is for communion later, which we can talk about later. But you two know that we have a dog, and she looks kind of like this. She looks kind of like that, right there. And we love our dog. Can you tell everyone what our dog's name is? Joey. Joey. A lot of you have met Joey. Joey is a German Shepherd. She is a very friendly dog. She is part lab, that's correct, yes. She's very small, part lab. I brought, I brought some pictures of Joey, just so everyone can see. Joey is a very smart dog. She's very well behaved. She can do lots of tricks. She can sing. This is us. Uh, my wife said this picture is funny because it looks like Joey is raising our family, which she kind of is. Joey can sing for you if you want. She'll go, oh, she can bark for you on command. This is Joey's modeling shoot outside the church. She can pose for you. She can do lots of different things. She's a smart dog. She's a well-behaved dog. Or would you agree? Is she well-behaved? She did eat ice cream. The dog ice cream was like bacon flavor. Yeah, Theo tried to eat some too. Like bacon peanut butter ice cream. Yeah. Now I want to show you a picture of another dog. Okay, and you tell me if it's okay if we, if in ten years we get a new dog. What if this was our new dog? Would that be okay? You're not that excited. Why? This dog, uh, I, I just Googled ugliest dog alive. And this is what came up. So I don't think this dog belongs to anyone here. So, uh, But it was in a contest. There's actually a contest for that. This was another contest. Could this be our dog? You like that one with the humongous tongue hanging out? Yeah. And the big fangs, yeah. It could lick the bad guys. That's true. <laughs> okay. Let me see. Here's another one. Would you be okay if this was our dog? This was the scariest Rottweiler. Google. Yeah, there. You gotta get really you gotta get so close to the picture. <laughs> what do you what can you see from up front that you can't see? Yeah. What if we got this as a dog? It it does. It looks like spaghetti with legs or something. Yeah. This was when I Googled the strangest dog. So, there, you know, we didn't pick any of those dogs. We picked a dog that we thought was pretty. We picked a dog that we thought was going to be smart. We picked a dog that we thought was going to be well-behaved. And, you know, that was what we picked. And who... But I wonder if God was picking a dog, which dog would God want to pick? Or would Jesus pick dogs? And Well, actually, who created all these dogs? Just in a way, God did. And when we have friends, what kinds of things do we look for in our friendships? Do we only look for certain kind of kids to play with? What kind of people does God want us to play with, I wonder? Have you ever thought about that? Who would God want to be friends with? And maybe who would God want us to be friends with? Only the good-looking, smart, well-behaved dogs? Let's find out what kind of people God would want us to be friends with. As we go to Sacred Stories, we are going to follow Ben and Wilson. There we go. <laughs> go now in peace. Go now in peace. You're going to follow Ben and Wilson. Our first scripture reading today is from Psalm 119. Listen for how the Spirit speaks to you through these words. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, 
For I believe in your commandments. Before I was humbled, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their hearts are fat and gross, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was humbled, so that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. I don't think uh, God cares a lick about football, but uh, I should point out the Presbyterian College quarterback threw 10 touchdowns yesterday. I mean, I figured there was probably a, a what's that? Yeah. <laughs> I knew there, there had to be a joke in there somewhere. I couldn't find it. Then I looked at the opposing team, and uh, that's not Christ-like, Rob. Um, the second reading is similar to the second readings we've had or the Old Testament readings we've had the past couple of weeks, which is a little hard to follow with a lot of names that may not be familiar for you. But there is wisdom here. Trust me. It's from Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, the 28th chapter. Verses 1 to 4, 10 to 17. In that same year, at the beginning of the reign of King Zedekiah of Judah, in the fifth month of the fourth year, the prophet Hananiah, son of Azur from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon took away from this place and carried into Babylon. I will also bring back to this place King Jeconiah, son of Jehoiakim of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Continuing in verse 10, then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah and broke it. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, thus says the Lord, this is how I will break the yoke of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. From the neck of all the nations within two years. At this, the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Sometime after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Go tell Hananiah, thus says the Lord, you have broken wooden bars, only to forge iron bars in place of them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put an iron yoke on the neck of all these nations, so that they may serve King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and they shall serve, and they shall indeed serve him. I have even given him all the wild animals. And the prophet Jeremiah said to the prophet Hananiah, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I'm going to send you off the face of the earth. Within this year, you will be dead because you have spoken rebellion against the Lord. In that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Why is it? Do we think people lie? Uh, really, a, a more interesting question is why do upstanding people lie? We know those who are just malicious or perhaps even pathological. They can't seem to help themselves. But many outside of those categories, otherwise good people, deceive all the time. Perhaps it's to spare some pain, often one's own pain. You know, you tell a little fib because you don't want to 
feel the consequences of that. Or more generously, maybe you're honestly trying to spare someone else some pain, so you don't tell them necessarily the whole truth, or you conceal something. Maybe you can think of a time that you did that. I mean, let's face it, in this culture, you can often get quite rewarded for avoiding the truth, for telling people what they want to hear. I mean, in my line of work, this is gold, right? You just tell everybody they're great and what they're doing is great and they deserve even more than what they have and what they have, God gave to them because they're great, right? It's a great career trajectory. <laughs> you get rewarded for that, for not sharing difficult truths. They call it being brutally honest for a reason. So it works perhaps in the short term, but we all know what's wrong with that way of being, of course. You spare some pain and some damage in the immediate future, in the short term, but you set yourself up for more danger and damage and hurt in the long run, or maybe the not so even long run. It, it's sort of like giving somebody a map. In the map, it is has a course to a beautiful destination. And in fact, the whole way there is scenic and not challenging and lovely, and it's going to just be perfect. The only problem is it doesn't correspond to the actual landscape. And so if they don't run off the road on the way there, they're likely to drive off the cliff rather than seeing the beautiful vista at the end. And really what we need in this world are maps that are brutally honest about the landscape that's before us. Because as unpleasant as that news is to receive or to deliver, it actually gives us the best chance of getting where we'd like to go in a safe and successful fashion. This is common sense. Imagine if you went to your doctor and they ordered uh, tests for you, but they didn't want to share the results because they didn't want to upset you. And you never got a chance to undergo treatment. Or maybe you have a child in school and there's a learning challenge, a learning difference, and they don't want to make you feel bad as a parent or single out your child, so they just don't tell anyone. And that poor child never gets the, the tools they need to work with their different way of learning. Or a supervisor at work offers or withholds some criticism. Now, nobody likes criticism, but imagine if you're not given the chance to change the way you're working, and then, then worse consequences, maybe even lose your job over it, right? So we actually want to know what's there. I mean, whether it's COVID or climate or, or any number of issues, we're kind of living in a reality in the con with the consequences of not really looking at difficult truths very clearly or actively or in a timely fashion. We're seeing what the results of that can be. This is actually a lot like what's going on in that reading from Jeremiah. You have this person who at least claims to be a prophet, Hananiah, and he comes and he gives the people news that is too good to be true, and it is too good to be true, that he will break the yoke of their oppressor, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, that he will deliver them, that he will return the exiles, that he will restore a king. He'll do everything for them, and he'll do it within two years. It sounds great. The people love the good news. He's told them what they want to hear. The only problem is, as Jeremiah points out, he's wrong. He's not telling them the difficult truths of their exile. And Jeremiah says, you have made them trust in a lie. You weren't sent by God. Because God doesn't send people to lie to people. The psalmist in that psalm you heard talks about the arrogance of lying. And how, how ugly it can be and destructive it can be. And Jeremiah isn't having any part of it. Now, what's tempting as people is to uh, sink your teeth into a villain, right? So in, in our story, it's Hananiah. And we can just say, this guy's a monster and an egomaniac. And, you know, you just fill in the blank. 
and we can tear him apart and then go on with our day. But the reality is, a more mature response is to recognize that there's actually a whole system, systemic problem going on. That the culture there tolerated it, accepted it, they actually applauded it. More mature response is instead to deprive the fire of the liar of the oxygen it needs to create a blaze. To be more committed to the truth than you are to your own allegiances or uh, what feels good or what you wish were so, even if it isn't really so. And when a community can do that, well, they actually take the power away from those who would feed such alluring but not necessarily true statements or platforms or promises that ring hollow. And the most difficult of issues perhaps deserve our most honest response. I can't remember what I preached last Easter. Actually, I can't remember what I preached last week. Did I preach last week? Did you? I don't even know. But I still remember the children's time from Easter. Anybody remember that? Jeff gave the time of discovery. And he gave what I thought was a brilliant time of discovery. And Easter's hard. You might think, well, how hard is that, Rob? You know, Christ is risen. Well, walk through it with me. You bring the children forward or, well, COVID, you, you tell them to stay there. And, and, but you say, this time is for you. And Christ is risen. Uh, hooray. And then the child asks, well, risen from where? And you say, well, you know, Jesus died. And then, oh, he died. How, oh, how, you know, how did that? And you don't even go into the creed. Well, he descended into hell for three days too, by the way, little guy. Uh, and then you say, well, well, what happened? And you say, well, um, okay, well, well, Jesus was killed. Killed? By the bad guys? Well, no, actually, the good guys gave him over to, to the bad guys. Well, how did they kill him? Well, they took these horse nails and they, why don't you go ahead and go to Sunday school now? <laughs> you mean Sunday school where they teach us to follow the guy that the good guys killed with the nails? You know, this is how it can go. So what do you say to a child on Easter? It's actually pretty difficult. But if, if you remember, what Jeff did was direct and honest and at a level they could understand. He said something like this. He conquered it in two short sentences. Jesus died, and it was very sad. Told him the truth, Jesus died, and it was very sad. Because the children deserve the truth. And that truth made room then, honest room, for a grace and possibility to enter in. Because you can't tell the child that Jesus is risen unless you tell them that he died. Jesus died. It was very sad. But on the third day, God raised him and his followers started to see him again. That kind of honesty, simple, direct, at a level people can handle, opens every, doesn't shut things down. It actually opens the people up to a faithful response to see grace plow in and to see possibilities emerge. That's the power of being truthful, is it makes room for grace and possibility. So that's why we tell the truth. We also tell the truth for the same reason we actually lie sometimes, because we don't want people to hurt. And if we tell them the truth, we actually give them the best chance to avoid being hurt in a serious way. And finally, we tell the truth because that's part of what it means to follow Jesus. Andrew Harvey's a Christian mystic. He's quoted on the cover of your bulletin at length. And he, he talks about how Jesus' primary mission is to bring the kingdom of heaven or to recognize the kingdom of heaven on earth. And to, to do that, he says, we have to see with disillusioned eyes. We have to see what is so that we can see the distance we have to travel to get to what can be and what should be. And Jesus 
isn't as committed to his own earthly security as he is to bringing that vision to pass. And so we have to let go of the false securities of convenient untruths or pleasant feeling illusions so that we can join Jesus in that journey. Because as followers of Christ, our priority is not to be successful. It's not to uh, be popular or receive acclaim. Our priority as Christians is to follow Jesus. Jesus, who in John's gospel is known as who? Truth. Amen.
You may be seated. Now, as we move to our time of communion, we are reminded that all are welcome here at the table. We remember that we have people worshiping with us online, at home. So whatever table you are at, all are welcome. All are invited. So here in the sanctuary, um, you either brought your own communion elements or hopefully you received some communion elements from an usher as you arrived. If you still need communion elements, our usher Carolyn is right there. Just wave your hand and she will come give you what you need. So when the time comes, we will partake of the elements together, all at the same time, sitting in the pews. So you're invited to just lower your mask to receive the elements and then put your mask back up. If that is uncomfortable for you, you can receive communion elements when you get home. It doesn't have to be right here in the sanctuary. So we just want to make sure that you do what is most comfortable for you. Now, Jesus reminds us to come to the table in peace. So we always like to share the peace of Christ with one another, recognizing that there are still different comfort levels here. I do invite you to pass the peace with one another, either with a wave or maybe with an elbow bump, but let us share the peace of Christ with one another. The peace of Christ be with you all. The truth, the truth is that Jesus was betrayed on that night. And so the story says he actually even knew it was going to happen. And nevertheless, or maybe because of that, he called them together for a holy meal where he embodied once again this transformative power of the love of God. He knew it and he still invited them, all of them, including the one who would betray him, making space on that holy night for God's grace to enter in one more time. So you are invited to that table. All are invited to that table to make and experience that space. Come. Will you join with me? God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. Let us pray. It is right and a good and joyful thing to give thanks to you, creator and renewer of all life. Time and again you seek us out breathing your breath of life into the deflated places of our lives. And so we come to your table again to praise you, to taste yet again what your steadfast love can do. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with those others considered unworthy. Through him, faith and hope were born again for so many. And so as we remember the words and acts of Jesus, we offer ourselves, seeking new paths full of risen life in you. As followers of Jesus in communion with the saints and prophets from all times and places, we proclaim and live out this holy mystery as we lift our voices in praise. Holy, holy, my heart, my heart. When the night he was betrayed, Jesus gathered his disciples. And after giving thanks, he took bread and blessed it and broke it. And he gave it to them and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant which is sealed in my blood. It is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, he said, remembering me. This is the feast of God for the people of God. Let us now share in this feast together. Let us pray. O God, amidst all the separations of this moment, being kept from mingling, being kept from coming forward, being pulled apart by a thousand voices in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup, we are mended. We are reminded that we are ever one. We are called to overcome that which pulls us apart and to live in the transformative power of your grace that we see most clearly in Jesus the Christ. So having been fed at this table, let us go out into the world and act as if we've been fed at this table. Amen. So as we prepare to go out into the world, I want to just highlight a few things for you. We do have a whole lot happening in the next few weeks here at Westminster, so I do encourage you to take a look at all the activities. Uh, our, stay current on our website, which lists all kinds of things. Uh, we have two things happening today. Dr. Chris Colwell uh, will be giving a presentation, um, a lot of Q&A time, I guess, just to answer your questions specifically about COVID, about the pandemic. He is in the know and can uh, answer all the questions you might have. As well, we have a training for our Sacred Story Sunday School program. If you haven't yet let me know that you want to be trained but are interested, come along, join us. And then, of course, I have to mention our in-gathering brunch, which is next week, sponsored by our Congregational Life Commission. They'll be providing some of the main courses for that brunch. They invite you to bring the sides for that brunch. We will do all our eating and visiting outside, but just a great way to kick off the fall together. Judy already mentioned our survey. Thank you, Judy. You should have received it in an email. Uh, very important to us that you fill it out. If you didn't receive it, let me know. We'll, we'll get you the link. If it's easier for you to fill out a paper copy and not deal with the computer, let me know. We'll get you a paper copy, but just very helpful for us on the church staff uh, to be guided by your thoughts um, as we continue to plan for the fall and into next year. Uh, you've heard us talk a little bit about Pedal for Protein, the great venture that our presbytery does. And we actually have Dan with us from the San Rafael Church, who's one of the leaders of the Pedal for Protein event. And he's going to share just a little bit with us about that. It's coming up later this month. Thank you, Bethany. Uh, it's wonderful to be here this beautiful morning. Let me tell you a little bit about the Pedal for Protein. You've probably heard of it. It's a group bike ride sponsored by the uh, Presbyterian Redwoods uh, Hunger Task Force. Uh, the Redwoods uh, covers from Marin County up to the uh, Del Norte border to, at Oregon. There's eight counties, and every year for the last seven years, this will be the eighth year, we've been riding through those counties uh, in a group ride that's basically a week long. Uh, this year, we're going to be riding through Marin, Sonoma, and Napa counties for a little over 300 miles. It was a six-day ride starting uh, the 19th of September and ending the 24th, and then there's a one-day ride on the 25th for people who want to ride, uh, shall we say, a little shorter rides in a, just a single day. Um, the uh, 
money that we raise, and we over the last seven years, we've raised almost a quarter of a million dollars through the mm. presbytery of the many churches in our presbytery, which is just fabulous. And the area of the North Coast, the last five years, has really been suffering inordinately with the fires, the uh, in, you know, the uh, opioid in, in, in pandemic and the pandemic of this year with a lot of uh, unemployment and last year. So the money is needed. The money is donated to food banks in those counties covered by our presbytery, as well as there's one international hunger project that the money is, is donated. And all the money donated goes to the food banks so they can buy protein-rich foods for, you know, seniors, disabled uh, families in, in need and so forth. So it's just a wonderful project. Um, the, uh, I'm inviting everybody here to ride with us, first of all. Uh, you can still register by going on the Pedal for Protein website. I'll be outside uh, with more information to answer any questions you want to know about the length of the one-day rides as, as well any of, of the, uh, you can ride any single day during the six-day ride too. The, um, you can also donate by going on the uh, Pedal for Protein website as well as registering. So I encourage all of you to do that. And as I said, I'll be outside selling some uh, chocolate bars and also uh, taking any donations that anybody be, uh, wish to do for this wonderful uh, cause. Thank you uh, very much. So you mentioned the chocolate, and Elizabeth leaned over to me and said, your favorite thing, Bethany? <laughs> She's right. Don't miss out on that chocolate. Uh, so Jim Gibbs, a member of Westminster Congregation, is really doing a push for as many Westminster riders as possible to do that one-day ride that Dan mentioned on the 25th. Um, of course, you're welcome to do the whole ride, but if that sounds like a little too much, think about that one-day ride and see Jim. Kurt Peterson has also been very involved if you would like more details. Thank you, Dan, and we'll see you outside with the chocolate after worship. So I invite you now as you are comfortable to stand and join in our closing hymn, number 345.
told me your favorite thing was scripture. I do hope you join us for fellowship and chocolate in the garden after the service. But wherever you go, and whenever you go, may you go with the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The abounding love of God who is Father and who is Mother of us all. And the sweet and sustaining power of the Holy Spirit this day and every day. Amen. Amen. Amen.